Good morning, everybody. Isn't it wonderful, the presence of God? Um, just sensed it so strongly during this time. And it was almost like a prophetic spirit over us right now this morning as we are in his presence. And uh, where's, the two, where's the lady who was on the keyboard? So I saw you go back here somewhere. Here's a lady over there. Yeah, I just really feel the Lord saying to you, there's a real, sorry, what is your name? Lawrence, there's it's a real a gentleness of a spirit on you, and you just break things open in your gentleness, then remain in that place for now. Don't try and be someone else. Don't try and follow and copy another style of leading God's people. You, there's something about the way you just gently bring us into God's presence from the very moment you started. So I really feel the, the Lord's hand is on your life right now, strongly in this area of bringing God's people and ushering us into his presence. And... Um, Where's the lady who was on the vocals on her own? Bianca, where are you? Just over there somewhere. I was just having coffee, right? Um, yeah, I just feel like you're a bit different, and you're more feisty, I believe, in the Lord's. And, and sorry, and and just to operate in that spirit, I think there's a kicking off of tables and kicking over chairs that God's called you to be in terms of leading his people into more. And uh, be reckless, be reckless at times as the Lord leads and guides you. I really feel that over your life. Um, and the young man on the guitar, where are you? Over there, sorry. Yeah, more boldness for you, my man. More boldness. Don't, ho- don't fear, man. Don't fear people's opinions. You just take it. And go for it and run with it. Grab other horns and go. I feel the Lord's encouraging you. I think there's more in you than you realize. And you've been intimidated. Don't be intimidated. You don't know what's, what God's placed inside of you. Go for it. Go for it. And uh, I really feel over this congregation. I, you know, often it's great coming into a congregation like this. Is just There are more young people here, clearly. And um, it's just it makes you know, us older folk more relaxed about handing over the baton to the next generation. There's just something about you guys that God's drawn together and raised up. But I really feel that there's a boldness that needs to come on you. And I, un- I felt the word uncompromising. Because there's so much intimidation in terms of compromising and, and fitting and in, slotting into the world and their values and, and their ways of doing things. A lot of pressure. A lot. And I, I really feel as a congregation, as a generation, you represent a generation that's coming through strongly and I really feel on the Lord, you guys are to be bold and uncompromising in your stand for God. Jesus is the way. You've got to lift his name up boldly. Some of you will have persecution. In fact, if the Bible says if you don't, that will be most unusual. Um, that there will be persecution for standing for his name. I even had it in my day when I was younger. I was threatened with arrest, and I have been arrested before. But there's all... But there's stand for Jesus. Stand for God. Uh, be uncompromising. But you've got to make a decision today. You've got to make that decision today. You can't wait until the temptation comes, until the challenge comes. It's too late then. You've got to pick your line now and make your decision now where you stand and what you believe in. And what, who is your God? Jesus is calling out his people, preparing his bride for this time, this hour. And be part of that. You know, Jesus is the head of the church. And we are the church. It's, in fact, it's impossible to be a, really be a Christian without being part of his body. And Western thinking is so individualistic, and it's sometimes lauded and praised as well done. But if we look at the scripture and look at the way God sees the body of Christ, it's interdependence, that we need each other. We all got a place, and we fit in to a place that God's assigned for us and called us. And if we're not in position, the body of Christ suffers. 
Jesus is not honored. He's not glorified. And so, you know, we, our culture, we, we, it's all we know sometimes. And we, we know, think it is normal. But what if it's not normal? What if it goes against kingdom culture and kingdom values? And I love to provoke and challenge people to think for themselves, think and compare against the word of God. Well, God, what are you saying? What are you calling us to look like as your body? And I really, yeah, that, that lady is saying as well, well done, uh, really powerful word. Um, I was also feeling during the worship time that God is calling you by name. He's calling you by name. Think of your name right now. The most powerful word that people uh, hold on to is their own name. If you remember someone's name, they, they often really flourish and, and are really touched by that. And think of your name because God is calling your name today. He's calling you. He's calling you by name. Think of your name. He's calling you right now by name. I lay in the COVID ward beginning of last year, and they told me, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going to be at Jesus or you might go home. And there were two ladies on either side of me, and virtually everyone in that ICU was, was in a coma. And they would call this one lady next to me all the time, trying to get her out of the coma. It was Pumla. Pumla, come back, come back, come out. They were calling her by name. I prayed for her. I prayed for her soul, not for her for physical well-being, but for her soul, that she would know. And the other lady as well, they both did die. But they were called by name. Come back. And God's calling you by name this morning. He's saying, get back into the, get back in. Some of you have left the race. You're not in. You're half in. Some of you are just here for a meeting. No, no, no. It's much more than that. You're part of a body. You are, you, you know, we, we're not the type of church that would talk about you so much. It's more about him. But there's times we need to talk about you and focus on you and who are you and your name. You are special. That came through in the word. You are precious. God is zealous for you. He's zealous for his name and who he is. And we can't surpass that and, and take away from that. But there's something of God saying, no, you're also special. You fit in. I called you for this time, this day, this hour, this city, this nation. This time is, is why you exist. The book of Acts tells us that. God is calling you by name this morning. Calling you into position. Calling you to, to be part of what he's doing. Wonderful that we got it. we're getting another building. But there's people there whose lives need to be changed. That are going to come into that place. A building is just a tool. I've done church in the bush. It's, it's wonderful. But sometimes it doesn't always work out, you know. When it rains and snows and things like that. But... The building is there to serve us. It's a tool. And it's amazing how God has provided, even in, that, in this instance. And I want to just talk about this morning, about you know, that you are a grace gift. Grace is given by God. You, there's, nothing, there's nothing we can't earn salvation. You, know, you can't do anything religious or acts to impress God in order to achieve salvation. That's totally a gift from God. And when the veil lifts, as it did for me over 40 years ago, and I suddenly saw this thing called this amazing God, this amazing grace. And faith rose in my heart, and I'm sure you can all relate to that, where faith rose in your heart, and you suddenly saw the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the goodness of God. And we surrendered our lives. Great that people responded this morning, but take it further than that, that response. Throw yourself in, everything. When I got born again, I, never, I didn't come from a religious background. And I didn't know anything about Christianity, virtually. And I just gave my all to God. I sold everything to be part of what God was doing. I was quite radical in coming to find Jesus. Because he paid such a great price. We forget how much we are saved from. You are saved from a hell. 
You're saved from eternal separation from God. That's terrible in itself. We are called into so much. You've got to recognize that you are, you are here by the grace of God. Every breath you take is given by God. He can decide and determine any moment that things will change. I thank God for this congregation. I remember, can I share a story? Uh, I love sharing stories of, of God moving and touching lives. But, and just the, the dramaticness of life. But we had a young lady here. Uh, it was 2000, beginning of 2009. I came to help this congregation when it was planted in the beginning of 2008 with Ryan. And um, he was away at the time, in the beginning of 2009. This one young lady, she was a teacher here in Simon van der Stel. What was that school we met in? Jan van Riebeck, that, yeah, that school. She was a teacher there for about two years, I think it was. She was 25 years old. And, two weeks, and she had turned that school upside down for the Lord. She was a vivacious, gregarious young lady, 25 years old. And, and then and two weeks before, she's going to get married. Two weeks. She has a brain aneurysm. And on a Wednesday, it happened. And we camped at this, at the Cape Medi Clinic, I think it's called down here. The little chapel. And as a congregation, you guys who were there, some, was anybody there in those days? Some hands, yeah. Her name is Tanil. And uh, we camped there and we prayed all through the night to the day for days. For her. And she was in a coma, on, hooked up on machines. Her fiancé was there. And we contested for her life. We really did. We fought hard for her. Amazing how, we, we, how the church came together and rallied for that moment. She didn't make it because she probably had gone even before. But on the Sunday, they, I was sitting with the fiancé when they switched off the machines. And her life, she's passing glory now. But many lives are affected by her, her life. Many were touched by it. At a funeral, there were a thousand people there. People, I think like 20 young ladies gave their hearts to Jesus that morning. She sowed but she, and she reaped in the spirit with her life. There's a sold outness that God's calling us into this morning. A sold outness. Uncompromising. Remember that word. At the end of this meeting, I want you to remember one word. Uncompromising. And you'll stand for Jesus. And make that decision today before you walk out the door. I'm going to stand for you, Jesus. I'm going to walk and run for what you've called me into. And, more, and then from our salvation, which is the most powerful thing that will ever take place in our lives. Getting born again and coming into the kingdom of God. He gave his all. I was just thinking this morning, when I was preparing for this, I was praying for you guys. And Lord, this congregation, what do you want to say to them, Lord? I don't want to come here and give some message. As you can gather by now, I'm not a major teacher. But I love the Lord Jesus. And I want to be infectious in my love for him and my life for him. We've lost so much in this world to serve Jesus. I was in business for many years. And coming to ministry, Luke shared on, on you know, receiving wages. Our wages is like, dived out of an airplane without a parachute, you know. Um, we served Jesus for years at our own expense because we had to serve him, man. I could have made a lot of money out of Mercedes E-Class. I was a, working for a corporate company, and, and we're not wealthy. So, Luke, uh, yeah, thanks for that message. Eh? <laughs> um, but we had to serve God. We had to pour ourselves out for him and just, and just be sold out for Jesus. There's nothing else. Um. That scripture in 1 Peter 4. Sorry, who's doing scriptures here this morning? Over there. Sorry, I'm going to jump around if that's okay by you. Um, one, if you want to put up 1 Peter 4.10. It 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that's you. That's God speaking about you, that you're a grace gift. You've got something that the rest of us haven't got. And God's given it uniquely to you and specially to you. And you need to be one who brings it um, to serve others and minister God's grace. You're administering God's grace in your life. But if you hold that gift back, and we'll look at some of the consequences of that in a moment. But God has, has given you something for this life to bring and to, for his glory. And that people will be served by your gifting. Even this, little, even this meeting, it's just a meeting. Okay, This is not the pinnacle of our week. It's lovely to get together uh, as Christians. It's wonderful. It's a celebrating moment, a wonderful time in the Lord. But this Christianity and church is Monday to Sunday. Church, I'm, you know, Monday when you go to work tomorrow, uh, if you've got a job, whatever you do, a student or whatever it may be, you are serving God. You're in church. You're part of the church. You're administering the grace of God wherever you go with your life. And God, what's, what's God's expectation? That's, so that's our reason, our motivation for the gifts of our lives. Don't just go through this life doing stuff and just having a job. And I've been there. Where you, you know, and you've, you've got to be the one, those who, who see this life in its true form. You know, you always got to consider that today could be the day. I, I'm Tanil, 25 years old. I've done funerals for 18 year olds, 19 year olds, uh, for memorials. You know, you don't know. You, and when you're young, often you feel gung ho, and I, we understand that. But the reality is, you've got to be prepared every moment to go into eternity. Every moment, you've got to have short accounts with God. We were with Andrew this week, and he said, he just asked, just jokingly, maybe he wasn't, but a couple of us went away with him. And he said, um, how would you like to die, quickly or a bit of time? Because some people thought, well, maybe time, so I can make right, you know. And, uh, but some people, no, let's just get this over with, let's just do it. Um, when I was lying in the COVID ward, uh, they you know, basically said, get ready to go home. That's my real home, you know, to be with the Lord Jesus. And I thought, well, let me say goodbye to my family. I had my phone with me. And um, I've got three sons and all in their 30s. I've got some granddaughters. And, um, and I'm obviously my wife, for 40 years we've been married this month, and um, Jenny, and I couldn't, didn't have the strength to say goodbye. So I said, Lord, am I ready to come home? You know, I started examining my heart and saying, Lord, is there anything I need to, anybody I need to forgive? You know, anything I might need to make right before I come to meet you now face to face? And I, I didn't feel there was anything. I spent some time, well, I didn't have much else to do, you know, sort of lying there. And so... Um, and the Lord, I felt I had a clear conscience before God. Um, and so that's when I really focused on the people in the ward and started praying for them and uh, turned it out, you know, outwardly. And, um, and I really believed, then I realized I've always lived, kept short accounts with God. Um, I, don't, I, want to be, I want to be someone who never takes offense. You know? And whatever you say, whatever you do to me, I won't be offended. Why? How can I be? Jesus, you know, he forgave me so much. How can I hold anything against anybody? How can I be offended by what they've done? I mean, we've, we've lost a house because of other people's bad, you know, business decisions. And uh, we got caught up in their mess. And we had to sell a house to pay off their debts uh, and family. And uh, you just, oh, Lord, I, I can't hold that. And as a grudge, or un, you know, I've been forgiven so much. And so let me hold open accounts so that I can serve you. 
Because God can't use you if you're stuck going around and introspection all the time. And this, I mean, I'm a pastor. You know, Andrew would regard me as a fivefold pastor. I equip pastors basically to pastor, and I love pastoring. I love shepherding. I love sitting down with people. I love hearing their stories. Um, but for me, I always want to take people somewhere because we can get so introspective. Uh, and, and people locked in the problem, people lose vision for how do they get free. And we don't want to be in 10 years' time going through the same motions, going around the same mountain, when God's saying, no, come up the mountain, I need you. I need you in position. No, but I can't. I've just got to deal with this little thing here and be, have this grudge over here, and this unforgiveness over there, and I'm angry about what this person said, and I've hurt my feelings. And, and we, we're not feelings and emotion-led, we're truth-led. Truth has got to be our, what we stand on and hold to, the truth of the gospel and of Jesus. Don't be someone who gets offended. Okay, No matter what happens, no matter what's said to you, just release, forgive. But also pray for your enemies. Bless them. If you've got any enemies this morning, anybody's done anything to you and hurt you in any way, just start blessing them on a daily basis. Keep saying, Lord, bless them. Let them find your favor and flourish in you. That's how we always can work out when we're counseling people whether they've actually forgiven. Because the most basic thing we have to always work through in discipling people and working with a problem that they've had is unforgiveness. Because that's the the heart of the gospel, is we are forgiven our sins. And so therefore we've got to pass on that forgiveness to others around us. And we'll ask people, okay, will you forgive that person who's done this to you? And it can be serious things like sexual abuse and rape and all when we you know you, you we hear all the stories. And yes, I forgive them. Okay. You forgive them. Now pray a blessing over their life. No, I can't do that. Okay, you haven't forgiven then. Let's go back. And, let's... and sometimes it's just truth-driven. Because yes, their feelings are real. And what they're experiencing is real. And it's sore and it's painful. But the way out is completely different to the way, world, ways of the world. It's back... Kingdom values are always different to this world's values. And the way forward is to forgive. Now, that's wrong. You know, you go to the movie, you want to watch a movie, and it's all about revenge. He, you know, he killed the guy's wife and children, and he went out to get revenge. You know, it's all about revenge. And Jesus said, no, revenge is mine, says the Lord. Revenge is mine. And not that we want misfortune on people. In fact, that's even a wrong motive. You know, I hope they get hurt. I hope things take place in their life that they know what they've done. What if, it, what, if it, what if you never receive justice in this world? Because this world's justice system is very limited. That's actually one of the reasons why the death penalty is not helpful. Because a lot of wrong, people have been wrongly convicted in countries over the years and, and been put to death, executed, and they found another person was innocent. Because justice systems in this world are not perfect. They're very flawed. Very flawed, because you're relying on little humans to decide and find out what is right and wrong. Where God's system and God's justice is perfect. He will judge everything in the, in, full, in the fullness of time. Everything will be sorted out. Don't you worry. He will sort everything out. Everybody is the perfect judge. And there will be the wrath of God for those who have resisted God and stood against God. It will all be sorted out. And that's also a reflection of our hearts and our trust in God and our faith in Him. Do we trust you, Lord, that you will sort this thing out? Because we often want justice even in this world. But what if you don't receive justice? Jesus never got justice in this world. He was unjust to what he was accused of, and he was ex- killed for our, our benefit. So the expectation is a reason, motivation for why we should all be in position, all be ready to be used by God, 
So this morning, are you all in position? Are you all ready to be used by God? If God says, okay, I need you now to go over there, to, no, not me, I can't. I'm too busy sorting out my own drama. Work on it. Okay, they might need time, they might need processing, but work on it. Be aggressive in a good spiritual way. Because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is taken by force. And a lot of us are pacifists in Christianity. We think, no, we're called to be pacifists and the, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not of this world, etc. True. Absolutely true. But we cannot be passive in the areas of sin in our lives and of attitudes in our lives that don't line up with God. We've got to be violent with these things. We've got to be aggressive. I, we, Jenny and I work a lot, lot, worked a lot in spiritual warfare over the years and, and of deliverance. We've seen, we used to oversee deliverance in Josh Chen for many years. And maybe we still do, I'm not sure. But, um, but we find, you know, the enemy attacks. And I'm a very straightforward person. I don't, I'm not complicated, I hope. Um, and uh, so if the enemy attacks me, I just tell him it straight in simple words. Hey, take your depression right now in Jesus' name and go. I, it's, that's, that's the way it works for me. I, I get attacked within the area of depression. And it's a very real, Jenny's, I think, experienced a minute of depression in life. Maybe one minute. Maybe two. We'll push it. We'll give you generous. But, um, but it's a very real thing. It's a spirit for, for, it could be chemical. It could be a lot of different factors. It's a very interesting, uh, you know, I don't want to label it in any form because it's, it's very, in, dealing with the, in the area of deliverance and spiritual warfare is extremely uh, complex, but it's, yet it's not, if that makes sense, like a par- paradox. Um, because it's one of the more difficult things to work out. Is this just a medical thing we can fix? Or is this something that's spiritual? You know, people have had epileptic fits before and people are casting out demons and, and they shouldn't be doing that or they should be doing that. You've got to pick up in the spirit what is the right thing to do in the right circumstances and to take ground in people's lives. And the, the whole thing is that we are called to take ground in, in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom, there's a king, and he wants to reign and rule in your life this morning. So can he reign and rule? Have you given him full permission? Even, I think, uh, that lady, when she brought the prophetic word, she, he, God is asking to come in. And that's, sometimes people battle to understand that. Why should God ask to come in? Surely he owns and reigns everywhere, but he doesn't always. In the book of Revelation, we see this, Jesus outside the church knocking to come in to his own church. You know, why do you welcome the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit have your way here? Surely it's his church, he can do what he wants. Sure it is, but he's actually chosen to partner with us. It's amazing. Jesus said, I'll give you the king, keys of the kingdom, Peter. You know, the king, keys to the kingdom of God. He's, God has chosen to work through leaders and through people. Average, ordinary people who, who make mistakes and who fail and let people down. I'm sure I've let people down and failed in so many ways. I know I will, but I've got a gracious God who will forgive me, who will... I'll fall within the cloak of righteousness. I am holy and I'm becoming holy. But I'm in right standing with God, the righteousness of God. I'm born again. I'm, my, my spirit has been renewed. I can have a relationship with God now because of Jesus. It's a marvelous thing, this. But I don't want to just have salvation because the Bible says God calls us into so much more from salvation. And that's what I'm focusing on this morning. I'm trusting that you're all born again, you know Jesus. And maybe this, some of those folks responded, we're responding for the first time. We don't, you will know that yourself, where you stand in opposition in relationship with God. But um, Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, each one of us is given a grace gift, which I've mentioned before. Um, 
But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So he's given grace gifts. So you, wherever you are, by your name, you're a grace gift to us, to, the, to Jesus actually. But it's, it's, it's um, reflected in your lifestyle and how you do life. And so is, is it obvious that you're, that you're a grace gift? Is it obvious, is it clear to us that you're in position, that you've offered yourself to the Lord? Uh, Romans, and that's, um, hmm. okay, let me start a little bit back to front. Uh, if you want to put up uh, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 to 7, please. We're just going to go through some scripture now. Um, so then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and of, of those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court indeed. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Now, brothers, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you do not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So there's, do we get to the end? Yeah. So um, God's asking us to be faithful to the trust. Are you, are you faithful to the trust that God's given you? He's deposited something in your life that's of value to the kingdom that he wants you to be faithful with. Are you faithful with what God's, God's given you? Because we know on that day he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, when we enter into eternity. So I want to put the challenge out to you. Are you faithful with what God has given you? Um, and I'll just mention this. You have to put up, uh, well, you can if you want. Luke 12, verse 48 says, much has been given, much will be required. And we'll be faithful again with what God has given us. So if much has been given to us, then we must run with what God has given us. And, and God even multiplies. If we, um, in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30, we won't read it because it's going to be quite long and I'm running out of time. But uh, in Matthew, he's, he's talking about, he actually gives talents to, to three different groups of people. And he says, I want you to multiply what I've given you. Not just hand it back in its original form. So if you've been given something of God, whatever gifting, we're going to look at the different giftings as we come into land. Um, if you've been given something of God, that God's calling you to multiply it and to make it for his glory to, and to use it to his glory, whatever gifting that the Lord's given you. If I can look at Jenny and I's life, uh, we are such ordinary people. We are extremely ordinary. But the most powerful thing that we've done is we've just kept getting back into the fights. We've just kept getting back and, and been available for God to use us. And as we've done that, God's multiplied what we started with. And in fact, I think I've got a lot of other people's gifting now because I didn't use it. I'm, not, I'm serious because the Bible says he takes away and he gives to the others. The guys who didn't use their gifting. And I've seen it in a good friend of mine. He's a few years older than me. Um, incredibly gifted man. If he comes into a, came into a room, he would dominate that room through the gifting of that God's put on his life of leadership. Just a very strong personality. He's a, he was successful in business. But he came to see me and kept, I baptized him in 1981 or two, somewhere around there. Our children went to each other's first birthday parties. I know the guy pretty well. So he comes to visit me in Cape Town from another province. 
And he says he's divorcing his wife. And he's been in eldership in our last church up in another province where we came, came from. And, and this was like, I couldn't get my mind around. I said, what are you, why are you divorcing her? He says, no, we just drifted apart. She's living in another country now. I'm here. So we're just going to divorce. So I said, but that's totally unbiblical. You know, I can't find any reason for you to divorce your wife. For that. The Lord only gives us very select reasons why we can divorce. It's, it's a covenant that we make. We made a covenant in 1982 to do this in this life together, to be in marriage together, to represent, in Ephesians says, we represent Jesus and his bride. There's a picture that God's given in marriage between man and a woman. And from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible is one big romance. It starts with male and female and ends a bridegroom coming to get, uh, to get his bride. And the whole way through Scripture, the whole thread through Scripture is one of romance, of the church, this beautiful bride, pre- preparing herself, and Jesus even preparing her, the bride. So I said to him, I, I can't get my, you're wrong in what you're doing. You're actually sinning in what you're doing. And I said to him, you should be doing what I'm doing. I'm doing this because you're not, you, you've out of, you're out of position now. You, you haven't uh, looked after the, the, the trust that God gave you. God gave me the trust of looking after one of his daughters 40 years ago. It's a trust that I've been given. And I, I do fear God. And I don't water down that word either. No, it's just respect. You know, No, it's fear. It, it is fear. But the paradox, I, you know, I know he loves me. I'm so comfortable in his presence. I can run to him like a little boy running to my father. He loves me dearly. He embraces me. I'm comfortable and, I, I'm, and I'm loved by God. But I don't mess with God. Because I see in the Bible paradox all the way through. Consider the sternness and the kindness of God. There's a wrath that's coming, folks, on those who don't know God. You know, some of the greatest revivals that ever took place was when the holiness of God came. People were clinging to the Wales and the Scottish Hebrides revivals. People were clinging to lampposts and fear. And guys were getting born again. Police stations were closing down and jails were closing down because people were just turning to Christ. Massive revivals and the holiness of God came. We cannot dare look like the world. We are called to be different. The Bible says, come out from them in 1 Corinthians. Come out from the world. You're called to look not weird, not crazy and stupid, but different in the way you live this life and what you stand for. Be brave. It's kind of, and the courageous, Revelation says over and over, the courageous will inherit the kingdom of God. The courageous, the brave, the cowards won't. The cowards are those who fear man. And the Bible says in the end times that, that brothers are going to betray brother. We've seen it even now. And within, as people, so many churches won't stand for basic common truth and basic values. And they, they're suddenly seen through different lenses to fit in with the world's values. Woe to us as a church if we go down that road. But we call to represent Jesus with a gifting. And I believe, I'm hoping it's like a rally call this morning of a, a mixture of, of a fear of God and a love of God and a zeal for God, a real understanding of, and the mature, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 5, of those who've learned to, to distinguish evil and good, to handle truth. We're finding so many spiritual babies don't understand the Bible, don't know how to handle truth at all. And if we can land with Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12, it's a lovely verse on such a, a blend of, of gifting it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Okay, that's to us this morning. Offer your body, because, you know, your body transports your, the spirit within you. Uh, your body, soul, and spirit. 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Singing and, and songs are amazing act of worship, but the biggest act of worship is actually presenting your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus and saying, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? Well, I want you to change your attitude. I want you to sort this out. Well, I want you to go and witness over there. I want you to go and lay hands on that person over there. I want you to go and just serve over there. Uh, prepare yourself. I want to be a teacher, Lord. Okay, well then, Prepare. Do you know the word even properly? Are you submitted to authority and those who've ministered to your life and developed you that you can be a teacher? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of, each of us have, has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Like a lady who brought the prophetic song this morning. It is so moving and shifting and helping us and displaying God's heart. Um, and, move, and actually taking us in directions this morning. Let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. Thank you, Scar, doing scriptures right now, serving us. Um, if it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. The fact that we're talking about buying a building, one man, God is blessed in the area of being able to generate money. Uh, in Deuteronomy or 8, I think it is, it says God gives the ability to make wealth. This guy has been given the ability to make wealth, and, and there's been big, and, he, and there's, well, there's, one, yeah, there's a couple of guys who've been very generous, and it, of just saying, well, Here's the wealth that God's given me. I'm going to want to be generous with what God's given me. Um, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. Thanks, Luke and the elders here. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So there's different gifts. Did I, did I get to the end? Yeah. Um, there's different gifts that come from administration, leadership, teaching, prophesying, serving. There's always different gifts that God, this is some of the gifts. That's just an, a sample of what God's distributed amongst us here this morning. And God is calling us to be in position, to present your life as a living sacrifice. The leaders need to hear that. They, they want to know who's with us. Who, who's, if, we, if we sound the battle call, come, we're going over here. Who's with us? And they need to know it. They need to Blow the trumpet, let's go. And then half the guys will actually know. Um, I've just got to go and do this. I've just got to go and do that. Uh, I'm just busy over here. I'll come one day and I'll sort myself out. You know, I'll be there. Just hang on a bit. Um, there's all these different reasons we give. Jesus even experienced that. He said, come follow me. Yeah, I've just got to go and check my oxen. Today's terms, you know, go and check my new property. Go and check my new car. Sort it out, you know. Uh, you know I've got to bury my father. They all, the guys all gave him excuses why they couldn't follow him there and then. Be a decisive people. Make decisions. Say, Lord, today I want to present myself as a living sacrifice. Today, Lord, here, here am I, God. And by presenting yourself to the leaders, you're presenting yourself to Jesus. 
They just represent, we just call to represent Jesus and to lead God's people into more and lead God's people to a place where the church is healthy, representing Jesus well, people coming into the kingdom. That's, that's why we're here, to bring people into the kingdom of God and make disciples from every nation. So I hope this stirred something up in you. Same t- the other, I did sort of commending you like Paul always does in his letters. You know, he commends guys and then tells me he doesn't want to go to their meetings. Um, so it's not like that at all. In this case, thank you, Lord. Uh, this is an incredible bunch of people, incredible time in the Lord here. So, yeah, let's stand. Some of the things I put down to, you know, how do we do it? Just by faith. We've got to do this by faith and uh, say, Lord, even the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. You know, they saw sometimes a lack and say, Lord, let me step out in faith. Let me do things in faith. Give thanks for what God has given you. If he's given you a gift, start with what you've got. Start with what's in front of you. Give thanks for it. Prepare yourself for use. Lay at Jesus' feet and perseverance. James uh, 1 talks about persevering, not giving up. Be those who one day you will also be gray and you'll also be telling others and leading other people hopefully closer to Jesus because you persevered. In my 40 years of walking with the Lord, plus more than 40 years now, I see many people fall away, start off well, and then just the, the, choke, the cares of this world choke the life of God out of them. Don't be those people. Okay, You are going to get tested. You are going to go through tough times at some stage in your life. There will be times when you'll... You'll wonder, is this worth it? I want you to make a decision today. Lord, this is worth it. You, Jesus, are worth it. I will not take my eyes off you. I want to prepare myself for that day when I stand and see you face to face and be ready to come into your presence with everything that I've got. Live this life flat out for Jesus. Live it fully for the Lord Jesus. So worth it. Even the pain and some of the suffering you may experience or see around you, don't let that distract you from the direction that God's called you and what he's called you into.